When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. and welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast. This is Joe. Hi, hello. Nerds, today we are bringing you our August books that we are excited for what's coming up in the month. Uh, And I said it right for the first time in what feels like months. It is August. These are the books we're excited to read. So um, Jill and Emma and I are just going to take you through the wild ride of what's coming up. There's a lot of good ones in August. There's a lot of good ones. So many books. This list is going to be so long. <laughs> and I think we all brought like a different bananas approach to August. I think we did. I think we did. Before we dive in with our first titles, uh, everyone just remember to rate, review, and subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, you know where you go. We appreciate it. We also appreciate the feedback. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Pro Book Nerds. And then if you want to reach out to us or let us know what you're going to be reading in August, send an email to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. With that... I guess we could dive in now. So who's got their first title? Are you raising your hand, Emma? Because you want to go first. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> me, me. I was I was raising my hand. <laughs> I don't know why every time we go to record these picks for the month, I am in the weirdest, goofiest mood. So yes, I would like to start with my first pick, Belladonna by Adeline Grace. This book comes out on August 30th, and I will say it. The cover is gorgeous and creepy. It's a half of a woman's face covered with, I would assume, Belladonna flowers, etc. So this book is YA. Although I would argue it's a little bit more spicy. So keep that in mind. This book follows 19-year-old Signa, who has been raised by a string of guardians, each more interested in her wealth than her well-being. And each has met an untimely end. Her remaining relatives are the elusive Hawthorne family. They're pretty eccentric and they live on this giant estate called Thorngrove, which is both glittering and gloomy. Its patriarch mourns his late wife through wild parties while his son grapples for control of the family's waning reputation and his daughter suffers from a mysterious illness. But when their mother's restless spirit appears claiming she was poisoned, Signa can see spirits. Uh, Signa realizes that the family she depends on could be in grave danger, and she enlists the help of a surly stable boy to hunt down the killer. What's interesting about this, well, there's a lot of things interesting about this book, (laughs) but um, as she's trying to uncover this murder mystery in Thorngrove, trying to get to know her distant relatives, 
also like coming of age. Once she turns 20, she'll inherit all of her wealth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's also this fun element where she can see death who is like a reaper. And so her best chance of figuring out who the murderer is, is sort of teaming up with the stable boy Silas and also with death himself. So she's seen death several times over the years and their connection seems to be growing more and more powerful uh, while she's in Thorn Grove, et cetera, et cetera. This book is fantasy. It's got horror elements. There's romance. It is for teens. So it's not too spicy. I would definitely recommend. I don't know why I feel like this is the perfect read for like August summertime. Cause it is a little bit creepy, but I don't know. It just fits the vibe. So that was Belladonna by Adeline Grace out August 30th. Are you telling me she's going to fall in love with death? Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, when you say their connection grows stronger, is this like a Micho Black situation? It's very Addie LaRue. I didn't read that. So that oh, nothing. Okay. Um, it's okay. I, it's fine. Listeners may appreciate that reference. So it's, Yes, it's very Addie LaRue. If you were a fan of that, where okay. she's got some interesting things going on with... Okay. Oh, now I'm blanking on what the guy's name is in Addie okay. LaRue. It's all right. Not the bookstore guy, the other one, obviously. <laughs> Listeners will know. They'll tell yeah. us. Yes. You'll know. You'll know. But definitely. Um, and this is the first of a new series. We do already know. It's already like out and the word is out that there is a book two of this series called Foxglove, which will be out Ooh. in 2023. Ooh. So okay. is she so, just doing like all poisonous poison? plants? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so stay tuned but yes belladonna check it out we love to see it i wanted to echo your point emma that there's something about for me the the summer in general but especially like as we head through the end of july and into august that i really only want like ya thriller horror like i this is this is the that time for me that's when i'm just like the most clamoring for anything that makes me feel like it's uh the end of summer and I'm trying to get all my good spooks in um so my list for y'all today is is pretty much either thriller horror or YA uh just well heads up there but my first title is going to be out on August 16th it is a thriller and it's called All Good People Here by Ashley Flowers this is Ashley's debut novel. Uh, if you don't know who Ashley Flowers is, she is the host of the number one true crime podcast, Crime Junkie. So uh, I'm super excited for this title, not just because it sounds great, but also because of Crime Junkie and seeing how her work in the podcast space translates into her writing. Uh, but if we just look at the book, uh, there's a great tagline here. You can't ever know for sure what happens behind closed doors. Everyone from Wakarusa, Indiana, remembers the infamous case of January Jacobs, who was discovered in a ditch hours after her family awoke to find her gone. Margot Davies was six at the time, the same age as January, and they were next-door neighbors. In the 20 years since, Margot has grown up, moved away, and become a big city journalist. But she's always been haunted by the feeling that it could have been her. And the worst part is, January's killer has never been brought to justice. 
When Margot returns home to help care for her uncle after he is diagnosed with early onset dementia, she feels like she's walked into a time capsule. Wakarusa is exactly how she remembers, genial, stifled, secretive. Uh, the news breaks about five-year-old Natalie Clark from the next town over, who's gone missing under circumstances that are eerily similar to January's. With all the old feelings rushing back, Margot vows to find Natalie and to solve January's murder once and for all. But the police, Natalie's family, the townspeople, they all seem to be hiding something. And the deeper Margot digs into Natalie's disappearance, the more resistance she encounters. And the colder January's case feels. Could January's killer still be out there? Is it the same person who took Natalie? And what will it cost to finally discover what truly happened that night 20 years ago? So it's twisty, it's suspenseful, it's intense, it's chilling, you know, and it just uh, asks the question, what are your neighbors capable of when they think no one is watching? So that's All Good People Here by Ashley Flowers, out August. That sounds really good. 16th. August 16th. <laughs> August 16th. There you go. Yeah. That sounds good. Right? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So my first one is Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. You you can't see Emma, but she's dancing. <laughs> I'm so excited. That's all. Um, I will say, like hair flip, I got to read an arc of this. Um, and if you are not familiar with Taylor Jenkins Reid, she is the author of Malibu Rising, Daisy Jones and the Six, and the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Um, this is about Carrie Soto, who makes an appearance in Malibu Rising. She is a tennis player. Um, this is set, it starts at the 1994 U.S. Open, where Carrie is uh, has since retired from tennis, but she's watching her record um, being potentially taken by a up-and-coming player um, named Nikki Chan. And Carrie, at 37, decides she's going to come out of retirement and be coached by her father one last time in an attempt to reclaim her record. And I loved this book, not just because I love um, Taylor Jenkins Reid and all of her sort of stories set in this in this universe, what I loved about this most, I think, is that Carrie, and you sort of saw this a little bit in Malibu Jenkins, um, she's not a particularly likable character in that um, she's just very like, this is who I am. This is what I want. I am the best tennis player in the world. I don't really care about, she's like, I'm not here to make friends is is pretty much what it is. And in Carrie Soto's back, she she's the same and just unapologetically like this is who I am and I don't care if you don't like me and I loved every minute of it um and sort of watching her try and, and reclaim this title and, and deal with you know being 37 in um in tennis when everybody else is much younger is it was so good it was so good so if you have enjoyed Taylor Nick and Reed's other books I would highly recommend Carrie Soto's back you do unfortunately have to wait until August 30th to read it. So sorry about that part, but it's very good. Bummer that it's a long wait, but good to know that you're in for a real treat. You are in for a real treat. And Emma's dance says it all that none I'm of you so can see. I'm so excited. I may have pre-ordered that book. 
in so good. two different editions. I was going to ask, how many editions did you order, Emma? Two, because <laughs> I like the UK cover better. And so I pre-ordered it a while mm-hmm. ago, but then to attend her virtual event that she's doing in August with Random House, you need to purchase a book from a local bookseller. So I also ordered the US edition. <laughs> So I get it. Yes. The UK and, book covers always slap. I don't know if I've seen the UK book cover for this one. It's uh, more colorful. The oh. US one is like all gold, I think. The it is all gold. one is more uh, rainbowy. Oh, I have seen that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I will tell you, yeah, this podcast is so bad for my wallet and book buying and your bookshelves my mm-hmm. bookshelves I've run out of bookshelf <laughs> space so I honestly need to cease and just read things exclusively through Libby but when I read something through Libby and I love it so much then I also want to own the physical and I so understand. it's just a never-ending struggle mm-hmm. of content these are not real problems my next pick they're still valid problems <laughs> they're not real problems but, <laughs> but we all relate <laughs> um my next pick for august i'm positive i've mentioned this series before so i will be brief the final installment of the inheritance games trilogy is out august 30th this is the final gambit by jennifer lynn barnes this book is i can't wait I can't wait. There's so many riddles and secrets and things we're solving. But uh, anyways, if you haven't read the first two, skip ahead because there are mild spoilers in the description for obviously the conclusion of the trilogy. In the final gambit, all Avery Kylie Grams has to do is survive a few more weeks living in Hawthorne House. The paparazzi are dogging her every step. Financial pressures are building. Danger is a fact of life. The only thing getting Avery through it all is the Hawthorne brothers. <laughs> Which ones? Uh, her life is intertwined with theirs. She knows their secrets and they know her. But as the clock ticks down to the moment when Avery will become the richest teenager on the planet, trouble arrives in the form of the visitor who needs her help and whose presence in Hawthorne House could change everything. It soon becomes clear that there is one last puzzle to solve, and Avery and the Hawthorne brothers are drawn into a dangerous game against an unknown and powerful player. Secrets upon secrets, riddles upon riddles in this game. There are hearts and lives at stake, and there is nothing more Hawthorne than winning. Dun dun. I can't wait. That sounds like a lot of fun. I've heard you talk about this series and uh, I'm excited to just start it. (laughs) I can't wait. And uh, I love on the cover. I'm sorry. I love the covers. It says winner takes all. And I just, I can't wait to see how things land. So that was the final gambit by Jennifer Lynn Barnes out August 30th. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm here for it. So I am going to give you all something a little earlier in August. This one's coming out August 2nd. It's just kind of a general literature title. This is The Many Daughters of Afong Moy by Jamie Ford. Dorothy Moy breaks her own heart 
for a living. As Washington's former poet laureate, uh, that's how she describes channeling her dissociative episodes and mental health struggles into her art. But when her five-year-old daughter exhibits similar behavior and begins remembering things from the lives of their ancestors, Dorothy believes the past has truly come to haunt her. Fearing that her child is predestined to endure the same debilitating depression that has marked her own life, Dorothy seeks radical help. Through an experimental treatment designed to mitigate inherited trauma, Dorothy intimately connects with the past generations of women in her family. Fei Moy, a nurse in China serving with the Flying Tigers. Zoe Moy, a student in England at a famous school with no rules. Lai King Moy, a girl quarantined in San Francisco during a plague epidemic. Greta Moy, a tech executive with a unique dating app. And Afong Moy, the first Chinese woman to set foot in America. As painful recollections affect her present life, Dorothy discovers that trauma isn't the only thing she's inherited. A stranger is searching for her in each time period, a stranger who's loved her through all of her genetic memories. Dorothy endeavors to break the cycle of pain and abandonment to finally find peace for her daughter and gain the love that has long been waiting, knowing she may pay the ultimate price. That sounds really good. Right? It sounds intense. Uh, I, just from this description alone, really intrigued how it's going to play out, you know, how, how treatment-y is it compared, or like scientific compared to just like, you know, past life regression. I'm, I'm super fascinated, but that is The Many Daughters of Afong Moy by Jamie Ford out August 2nd. My next one is Girl Forgotten by Karen Slaughter. We love Karen Slaughter on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. She has a new one out. Okay. So. Longbale Beach, 1982. Emily Vaughn gets ready for the prom. For an athlete who is smart, pretty, and well-liked, this night should be the highlight of her high school career. But Emily has a secret, and by the end of the evening, that secret will be silenced forever. Forty years later, Emily's murder remains a mystery. Her tight-knit group of friends closed ranks. Her respected, wealthy family retreated inwards. The small town moved on from her grisly attack, but that's all about to change. U.S. Marshal Andrea Oliver arrives in Longville Beach on her first assignment to protect a judge receiving death threats. But in reality, Andrea is there to find justice for Emily. The killer is still out there, and Andrea must discover the truth before she gets silenced, too. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Anything Karen Slaughter. Period. Yeah, pretty much. Anything pretty she much. does. Anything, Anything she, she does. writes. Yes. And if you have not read Karen Slaughter, I always feel like I need to like give this disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> Emma knows what I'm going to say. But yeah. um, yes, like if you, so she writes thrillers, she writes very graphic, grisly thrillers. Um, she does not hold back at all in her descriptions of any of the, the crimes that happen. So just as a warning, just as a warning, because I like the first time I read one, I was, I was not prepared. I don't mind that, but I was not prepared. So sure. That's that's just so you all know. Um, so that's Girl Forgotten, and it comes out August 23rd. Apparently, we're just in like a spicy mood because all the <laughs> all these books are something. <laughs> yes. Intense. They're intense. For half levity, my next pick is. Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson. This book is out August 16th. So it turns out that when you read nothing but true crime, it's not exactly conducive to modern dating. So in this book, the main character, Phoebe, is 
a PhD candidate. She's working on her dissertation in true crime, and she's having a really hard time seeing things not in the lens of a true crime novel. So when she's called home to spend the summer in Florida to clean out her childhood home and spend some time with her brother, um, they're mourning the death of their father a few months prior. She's just having a lot of complicated feelings about being in her childhood home, being around her younger brother who she doesn't really know, wrestling with her dad's passing, um, working on her dissertation and true crime and serial killers. She can't help but think that the new neighbor, Sam, is a straight up serial killer. So it's not long before she realizes that Sam might be something much scarier than a serial killer, a genuinely nice guy who can pierce her armor and reach her vulnerable heart. So this is an interesting one. If you're a true crime fan and you like romance, check out Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson out August 16th. I feel like I can attest that a diet of true crime makes the dating world pretty difficult. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. This sounds like so much fun and I you described it perfectly lighthearted enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love this cover. I'm sorry, like I guys, I'm the same. Oh my gosh. This is what we expect it's from okay. you. It's and okay. you're never wrong. It's, it's really true. cute. I'm actually reading an early copy of this right now and really enjoying it because you can tell that a lot of the way that Phoebe thinks about things keeps circling back to that lens of of to be suspicious, knowing what she spent so many years studying for her PhD. Like, of course you would be a little wary of the neighbor that just shows up Mm -hmm. on the sidewalk in the middle of the night. And you're like, Hmm, what's Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Right. Mundane things like, Oh, he has a tarp on his driveway and it's like 10 PM. Hmm? Hmm. All of those things when looked at through this lens of true crime are certainly suspicious, but, uh, there's more to the story. And uh, thus far, a good level of spice. Okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see where this goes, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Well, that's exciting. I am going to keep the kind of thriller train going. This is a YA thriller out August 30th. It is Nothing More to Tell by Karen M. McManus. Four years ago, Bryn left St. Ambrose School following the shocking murder of her favorite teacher, a story that made headlines after the teacher's body was found by three St. Ambrose students in the woods behind their school. The case was never solved. Now that Bryn is moving home and starting her dream internship at a true crime show, she's determined to find out what really happened. The kids who found Mr. Larkin are her way in, and her ex-best friend, Trip Talbot, was one of them. Without his account of the events, the other two kids might have gone down for Mr. Larkin's murder, but instead, thanks to Trip, they're now at the top of the St. Ambrose social pyramid. Trip's friends have never forgotten what Trip did for them that day, and neither has he. Just like he hasn't forgotten that everything he told the police was a lie. Digging into the past is bound to shake up the present, and when Bryn begins to investigate what happened in the woods that day, she uncovers secrets that might change everything about St. Ambrose, about Mr. Larkin, and about her ex-best friend, Trip Talbot. Four years ago, someone got away with murder. More terrifying is they might be closer than anyone thinks. And that is Nothing More to Tell by Karen M. McManus out at the end of August on the 30th. 
I love her book so much. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Right. They're, they're, it, it feels wrong to describe like a YA thriller as fun, but no, I they're think they're so fun. fun though. <laughs> the characters are so fun. It's, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm glad I'm not in high school anymore, but I can live vicariously through these books. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. Wouldn't ever want to go back, uh, but I enjoy the, the reflection. A hundred percent. Yes. So my next one is Daisy Darker by Alice Feeney. Okay. Y'all, I have read all of Alice Feeney's books and I, I did get an advanced copy of this as well. This might be my favorite. Oh. Yes. Okay. I was, that's an endorsement. That is an endorsement. Yeah. This. Ooh. Okay. Wait, again. more than sometimes I lie. I feel like I, the ending, the endings of, yes, I think just because, uh, and it could just be because I've like read it the most recently. I may have to go back mm-hmm. to read Sometimes I Lie. Let me say though, it's a very similar, like when you get to the end of Sometimes I Lie and you're like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Daisy Dark was exactly the same where I got to the end and I'm like, I'm sorry, what, what? Um, Okay. So after years of avoiding each other, Daisy Darker's entire family comes back um, for Nana's 80th birthday party in Nana's crumbling gothic house on a tiny tidal island. We're already off to a great start. Um, so over the course of eight hours, um, they're cut off from the world. There's a storm coming in because, of course, there is. And at the stroke of midnight, Nana is found dead. An hour later another family member follows. So they're trapped on an island. Um, There's nobody else there. All these secrets are coming out. And it's like very much Agatha Christie's and then there were none, which is my favorite Agatha Christie. And again, like this is Alice Feeney. If you are familiar with her books, it is not a spoiler for me to tell you that there's a very big twist. And if any of you do manage to see this coming, Y'all, I just got to say, you are my hero because there is no way. Uh, yes. Yeah, so anyway, that is Daisy Darker. <laughs> it is out August 30th. If you see the twist coming, tweet at Jill. Seriously, at if Pro you <laughs> manage to see the twist coming, you know, I, I just made your props to you as a reader who is reading closely enough to be able to pick up on that because, woo. Why am I so loud also? Okay. That might have been too much. I was going to say you just. That's a little too much. Okay. What is happening? All right. Anyway, we're, you know, y'all, we're in a mood today. It's fine. So. Silly. Anyway. And you're recording in the audio studio at the office. So it's a slightly new setup. It's a whole thing. Friends. Keep in mind, we've been, yeah, we've been recording over Zoom for two years over two years and I don't really remember how to work any of the old <laughs> technology it's, there's more of us so that complicates things so anyway the old podcast studio yep Jill I can't wait to read Daisy Darker by Alice Feeney I'm scanning my shelf for my copy now because we were lucky enough to get an early one my next pick is not even close to that vibe because the vibes are all over the place in August, apparently. But my next recommendation is Love on the Brain by Allie Hazelwood. I am sorry. I'm predictable. 
this book is out August 23rd and we've been waiting for Allie Hazelwood since last year when I loved and recommended Love Hypothesis to everyone under the sun. She is back with Love on the Brain. My brain was not working there for a hot second. So this story follows B. So she lives by a simple code. What would Marie Curie do? If NASA offered her the lead on a neuroengineering project, a literal dream come true after years scraping by on the crumbs of academia, Marie would accept without hesitation. Duh. But the mother of modern physics never had to co-lead with Levi Ward. Sure, he's attractive, tall, dark, piercing eyes. And sure, he caught her in his powerfully corded arms like a romance novel hero when she accidentally damseled in distress on her first day in the lab. But Levi made his feelings toward B very clear in grad school. Arch enemies work best employed in their own galaxies far, far away. Now her equipment is missing, the staff are ignoring her, and B finds her floundering career in somewhat of a pickle. Perhaps it's her occipital cortex playing tricks on her, but B could swear she can see Levi softening into an ally, backing her plays, seconding her ideas, devouring her with those eyes, and the possibilities have all her neurons firing. So when it comes time to actually make a move and put her heart on the line, there's only one question that matters. What will B, last name I can't pronounce, do? I can't wait. I'm so excited. I love everything about this. I love it. That was a very dramatic reading. It really was. I enjoyed that thoroughly. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And we love, I don't know. I find something soothing about all of the references to like academia. Mm -hmm. I don't understand all the science references, but I appreciate it for what it is and feel like reading. It makes me, I mean, not really smarter, but you know, it expands my horizons in a way that's approachable to me, AKA a romance book. So I love it. Love on the Brain by Allie Hazelwood. This is out August 23rd. My next title, I think, is the midpoint between Jill and Emma's. Uh, It is also out on August 23rd. It is Lit Romance. This is The Witches of Moonshine Manor by Bianca Marias. Five octogenarian witches gather as an angry mob threatens to demolish Moonshine Manor. All eyes turn to the witch in charge, Queenie, who confesses they've fallen far behind on their mortgage payments. Still, there's hope, since the imminent return of Ruby, one of the sisterhood who's been gone for 33 years, will surely be their salvation. But the mob is only the start of their troubles. One man is hell-bent on avenging his family for the theft of a legacy he claims was rightfully his. In an act of desperation, Queenie makes a bargain with an evil far more powerful than anything they've ever faced. Then, things take a turn for the worse when Ruby's homecoming reveals a seemingly insurmountable obstacle instead of the solution to all of their problems. The witches are determined to save their home and themselves, but their aging powers are no match for increasingly malicious threats. Thankfully, they get a bit of help from Persephone, a feisty TikToker eager to smash the patriarchy. As the deadline to save the manor approaches, fractures among the sisterhood are revealed, and long-held secrets are exposed, culminating in a fiery confrontation with their enemies. It's funny, it's tender, it's uplifting, it explores the formidable power that can be discovered in aging, found family, and unlikely friendships. Um, it, it's got just a lot of fun to it. At least that's what it sounds like to me from this description. And I love 
a silly goofy mood and a silly goofy book uh we've we've got some romantic interests we've got intergenerational connections we've got found family so i'm just looking forward to the witches of moonshine manor by bianca marias out august 23rd you had me at octogenarian witches uh-huh uh-huh that's all i needed to hear trying to save their manner right anything that sounds like an 80s movie plot <laughs> right is there midnight margaritas involved i sure hope so hope that's so the only way good spells are cast i'll be very disappointed if not um okay so i'm actually gonna change the order i planned because i also have a witch book Ooh. so i know so this is the very secret society of irregular witches by sanguman dana and okay so as one of the few witches in britain mika moon knows she has to hide her magic keep her head down and stay away from other witches so their powers don't mingle and draw attention and as an orphan who lost her parents at a young age and was raised by strangers she's used to being alone and she follows the rules with one exception an online account where she posts videos pretending quote unquote to be a witch she thinks no one will take it seriously but someone does an unexpected message arrives begging her to travel to the remote and mysterious nowhere house to teach three young witches how to control their magic. It breaks all of the rules, but Mika goes anyway and is immediately tangled up in the lives and secrets of not only her three charges, but also an absent archaeologist, a retired actor, two long-suffering caretakers, and Jamie. The handsome and prickly librarian of Nowhere House would go do anything to protect the children, and as far as he's concerned, a stranger like Mika is a threat, an irritatingly appealing threat. As Mika begins to find her place at Nowhere House, the thought of belonging somewhere begins to feel like a real possibility. The magic isn't the only danger in the world, and when peril comes knocking at their door, Mika will need to decide whether to risk everything to protect a found family she didn't know she was looking for. So this just sounds oh so I, fun. I saw this on your list and I was like, okay, I don't have to put it on mine. That's fine, but I'm ready because it gives me like the house in the cerulean sea vibes. Oh. So I just love the title, The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches. Yes. It's so good. Uh so that's out August 23rd. I love the sound of the mythos of it, the yeah. idea that too many witches can't be together, kind right? of opposite of what we're used to. Super into it. Can't wait. Yeah. I don't have a witchy pick, so I'm just going to go with Just Another Love Song by Carrie Winfrey. This is out August 2nd. We've talked about Carrie Winfrey's books on the podcast before. This is a really sweet rom-com that follows two high school sweethearts that get a second chance at love. So once upon a time, Sandy McIntosh thought she would have her happily ever after with her high school sweetheart, Hank Tillman. Oh, what a time when you think your high school romance is going to be the one, although sometimes it is. Sandy wanted to be an artist. Hank was the only boy in town who seemed destined for bigger things, and they both had dreams to escape town together. But when Sandy's plans fell through, she stayed in their small town in Ohio. And Hank went off to Boston to follow his dreams to be a musician, with the promise to stay together. Only that plan fell through, too. Because, duh. Fifteen years later, Sandy runs a successful greenhouse while helping her parents with their bed and breakfast. Everything is perfect until Hank rolls back into town. We love this. He's now a famous alt-country singer with a son in tow. She's happy with the life she's built by herself, but seeing Hank makes her think about what might have been. 
There aren't enough cliche love songs in the world to convince Sandy to give Hank another chance. But I love this about romance. But when the two of them get thrown together to help organize the town's annual street fair, she wonders if there could be a new beginning for them or if what they had is just a tired old song of the past. I can't wait. I can't wait. This is Just Another Love Song by Carrie Winfrey out August 2nd. I have questions about alt country. Same. I was literally just going to say alt country. Yeah, I don't know who would be comparable. Okay. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you who's like alt country. Well, listeners, if you listen to alt country, please send it along. I'm very curious what it sounds like. Yeah, if you could give us like three songs to try out just so we could understand what alt yeah. country is. Um, also, I love the description of romance books because uh, I, I don't I don't know. They're, They're fun. just delightful. <laughs> Upon a quick Google, the top results for alternative country are Wilco and Ryan Adams. I don't know. So I don't know. Really with Ryan Adams. That's interesting. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. Weird. So yes, if you know, please tell us. Yeah. Okay, so my next book is a new book from friend of the pod, Ryan LaSala. It is The Honeys, out on August 16th, YA horror, LGBTQ plus fiction. Uh, so this is about Mars. Mars has always been the lesser twin, the shadow to his sister Caroline's radiance. But when Caroline dies under horrific circumstances, Mars is propelled to learn all he can about his once inseparable sister who'd grown tragically distant. Mars's gender fluidity means he's often excluded from traditions and expectations of his politically connected family. This includes attendance at the prestigious Aspen Conservancy Summer Academy, where his sister poured so much of her time. But with, with his grief still fresh, he insists on attending in her place. What Mars finds is a bucolic fairy tale not meant for him folksy charm and sun-drenched festivities, camouflage old-fashioned gender roles, and a toxic preparatory rigor. Mars seeks out his sister's old friends, a group of girls dubbed the Honeys, named for the beehives they maintain behind their cabin. They are beautiful and terrifying, and Mars is certain they're connected to Caroline's death. But the longer he stays at Aspen, the more the sweet mountain breezes give way to hints of decay. Mars's memories begin to falter, bleached beneath the relentless summer sun. Something is hunting him in broad daylight, toying with his mind. If Mars can't find it soon, it'll eat him alive. That is The Honeys by Ryan LaSala, out August 16th. That sounds so good. Right. I I love a click. Mm-hmm. With uh, bees. <laughs> a click with bees. <laughs> I also love the name Mars. Right. That's so good. That's that's a nickname I want to just like give anyone who has a a name that it'll fit because what a great name. So good. It's so good. Uh, Okay. So my next one is The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead. This is at August 16th. I also had an advanced copy of this. I don't know what it was about August, y'all. Somehow I got all these advanced copies. This book. Okay. My friends, did either of you read... The article that came out a couple years ago about the Sarah Lawrence weird like sex cult thing with the father. Joe is nodding. Emma, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so there <laughs> question mark. Okay, okay. So Sarah Lawrence um in New York, the college, there was a situation where um the father there's like this group of girlfriends living together. The father of one of them kind of infiltrated the group. 
and it turned into a whole weird Mm -hmm. thing. So uh, the last housewife is fairly inspired by this. Um, And it is about Shay and she went to college in upstate New York and she and her best friends met a captivating man who seduced them with a web of lies about the way the world works, bringing them under his thrall by senior year. Shay and her friend Laurel were the only ones who managed to escape. Eight years later, Shay's built a new life in a fancy Texas suburb. And then she hears the horrifying news of Laurel's death delivered, of always, by her favorite true crime podcast, Crusader. And she begins to suspect that the past she thought she buried is very much alive and the predator is more dangerous than ever. So she recruits the help of this podcast host and Shay and the podcast host go back to the place where she vowed never to return in search of answers. And as she follows the threads of her friend's life, she pulled into a dark and seductive world where wealth and privilege shield brutal philosophies that feel all too familiar. When Shay's obsession with uncovering the truth becomes so consuming, she can no longer separate her desire for justice from darker desires newly reawakened, she must confront the depth of her own complicity and conditioning. But in a world built for men to rule it, both inside the cult and outside of it, is justice even possible? And if so, how far will Shay go to get it? This book was so good. I feel like I read this in like one setting because I or sitting because I like could not stop. So yes, you have this like college, like grooming cult very strange situation there's like an eyes wide shut situation happening which is sort of alluded to in this description the true crime podcast this had this was so good it had it had everything and i'm i'm here for everything about this book um so that is the last housewife and it is out august 16th i can't wait for that but i also loved watching emma's face as she was reading the article (laughs) Oh yeah, did you you found the yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I just typed in Sarah Lawrence and it yeah. auto-populated Sarah Lawrence dorm dad. Yep. Yeah. It it's it's quite a wild read. Yeah. Um and as soon as I started reading this, I was like, "Oh, it's the Sarah Lawrence thing with eyes wide shut." Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best way I can pitch this book to you. Sarah I mean, Lawrence thing with eyes wide shut. You got me sold. Oh. I, I also Well, I have a copy. I let you borrow. Well, thank you. I would love to take it. <laughs> Uh, I also really appreciate seeing podcasts and books. It seems to be like a recurring theme now. It is, especially true crime podcasts. Mm -hmm. It is happening a lot with true crime podcasts in the last couple of years as true crime podcasts have gained momentum outside. Um, And the way that, well, yeah, because like Ruth Ware's book used it too. And so, right. And Jennifer Hillier's book is okay. See, look at that. It's wild. And you know what I find so fascinating about true crime stuff? Is like this took place in I the in 2010, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then the following years he was just convicted this year in 2022. Yeah. yeah, just that like I don't think when we consume things in like a short form like a book or a show or whatever, it's like this could have been covered years, decades. Mm-hmm. Right, time like isn't real. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting as well. Super fascinating. My next pick has no nice segue. It is The House of Fortune by Jesse Burton. This is the sequel or the standalone companion to the book The Miniaturist that came out a few years ago and was hugely popular. So this takes us back to 18th century Amsterdam. 
which sounds fantastical and wonderful in and of itself. So it's Amsterdam in the year 1705, and it's Thea Brandt's 18th birthday. She's ready to welcome adulthood with open arms, but life at home is increasingly difficult. Her father, Otto, and her aunt, Nella, argue endlessly over their finances, selling off bits of furniture in a desperate attempt to hold on to the family home. As catastrophe threatens to engulf the household, Thea seeks refuge in Amsterdam's playhouses. She loves the performances, and the stolen moments afterward are even better. In the back rooms of her favorite theater, Thea can spend a few precious minutes with her secret lover, Walter, the chief set painter, a man adept at creating the perfect environments for comedies and tragedies to flourish. The thrill of their hidden romance offers Thea an exciting distraction from home, but it also puts her in mind of another secret that threatens to overwhelm the past. She knows that her birthday marks the day her mother, Marin, died in labor. Thank goodness for modern medicine is what I'll say when I read these kinds of things in 17th, 18th centuries. <laughs> Sorry, that was a not related. Thea's family refuses to share the details of this story, just as they seem terrified to speak of the miniaturist. Aunt Nella believes the solution to all of her problems is to find her a husband who will guarantee her future, because of course. But an unexpected invitation to Amsterdam's most exclusive ball seems like a golden opportunity to do just that, and Thea finds on her doorstep a parcel containing a miniature figure of Walter. It becomes clear that someone out there has another fate in mind for the family. Dun, dun, dun. So this is a sweeping, magical story, unputdownable novel about love, obsession, family, and loyalty, and the fantastic power of secrets. This is The House of Fortune by Jesse Burton, and this is out once again on August 30th. <laughs> So my second to last title is Dauntless by Eliza A. Bonin. And this is out August 2nd. It's YA Fantasy. And the quote kind of says it all. Be dauntless for the hopes of the people rest in you. Sari's world is defined by very clear rules. The beasts prowl the forest paths and hunt the people. The valiant explore the unknown world, kill the beasts, and gain strength from the armor they make from them. As an assistant to Ishai Unbroken, a young Valor commander with a near-mythical reputation, Siri has, Siri has seen firsthand the struggle to keep the beasts at bay and ensure the safety of their spreading trees where the people make their homes. This was how it had always been and how it always will be until the day Sari encounters Sana. Sana is impossibly a stranger from the unknown world who can communicate with the beasts, a fact that makes Sari begin to doubt everything she's ever been taught. As Sari and Sana grow closer, their worlds begin to collide with deadly consequences. Somehow, with the world on the brink of war, Sari will have to find a way to make peace. And that is Dauntless by Eliza A. Bonin, out August 2nd. Sounds good. Just a fun kind of like, you know, Hunger Games vibes, YA fantasy which usually hunting for this time of year. Yeah, yeah. I guess pun intended. <laughs> you don't have to humor me, Jill. It's okay. <laughs> um, okay, my next one for something completely different mm -hmm. is The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Rebus. This, y'all, is all about Princess Leia and Han Solo <laughs> and what happens after their wedding. <laughs> the princess and the scoundrel now it all makes sense 
So um, yes, you are cordially invited to the wedding of Princess Leia Organa and Han Solo. Um, <laughs> and I don't feel like I really need to sell this too much more than that, but just be like, this clearly exists like after the events of um, The Empire Strikes Back. And no, wow, wow, wow. That is not the right one. <laughs> Whichever one number six is. Wow. I, my brain. Return of the Jedi. Okay. okay. Friends, I will return my Star Wars fan card at this moment in time. That was <laughs> mortifying. Um, so this takes place after the events of Return of the Jedi, um, where Han and Leia get married, and yet happily ever after doesn't come easily. As soon as they depart their idyllic ceremony for their honeymoon, they find themselves on the grandest and most glamorous stage of all, the Halison, a luxury vessel on a very public journey to the most wondrous worlds in the galaxy. That sounds delightful. Can we do that? Can we make that happen? Um, their marriage and the peace and prosperity it represents are a lightning rod for all, including imperial remnants still clinging to power. Facing their most desperate hour, the soldiers of the Empire have dispersed across the galaxy, retrenching on isolated planets vulnerable to their influence. As the vessel travels from world to world, one thing becomes abundantly clear. The war is not over, but as danger draws closer, Han and Leia find that they fight their best battles not alone, but as husband and wife. Very cute. I know. I'm so excited. I am so excited for this. You know, because I feel like in at least current canon of Star Wars, which is a whole thing, but in current canon of Star Wars, you know, you have um, Return of the Jedi and then you have The Force Awakens. And there's like this whole like 30 year period in between there where you don't actually know anything about what their relationship was like after they got married and had children. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. And like what happens then? Um, so, yes. So that is The Princess and The Scoundrel. And it's on August 16th. So that was going to be my question. Is this a part of the canon? Yes, this is a part of this the canon. Is, this, this is like is, official, this is official Star canon. Wars. This is official Star Wars canon, correct. Yes. Uh, for okay. those who don't know what I'm talking about, um, back in like the 70s and 80s, there was a whole bunch of Star Wars novels that exist that are now, thanks to the House of Mouse, no longer considered canon stories um but yes they have started writing a whole bunch of new star wars books that are considered canon and this is one of them interesting Mm -hmm. okay very cool fun fact i mean i love the idea of canon conversations and any you know it's been a while since i brought up charmed so i'll bring up charmed uh there's a whole like swath of books that are not necessarily a part of the canon but fit into the like they fit in between episodes Mm -hmm. so they're never mentioned in the show but they are canonical kind of but then there's also comics which are canonical so i find any fandom that has that's mainly like movie or show that has uh, lit pieces connected i want to know is it it is canon yes this is canon and then, like, the, I could go into a whole thing about Do you think Star Wars. Get translated? Canon. Like, are they going to make a movie of this? Or I don't think so. I think it's they're, they're just trying to revive. Well, they're just because there are, I mean, they're just trying to have books that sort of yeah. exist in these sort of in between places between movies or about characters we don't really know a lot about. Um, uh, and then sometimes, though, some books like the character I think of Thrawn existed in what is no longer considered canon technically but they like that character enough that he now is canon again it's a whole thing so anyway we don't need to talk star wars (laughs) 
as I'm wearing my girl goo baby Yoda sweater. It was it was a coincidence. <laughs> and I, I think you're the the only Star Wars fan in the chat. So, so there's no one to talk to about you know, Star I Wars. Wish I could so help. <laughs> feel free to email me at professionalbookmansoverdrive.com. <laughs> I can only talk about the prequels. <laughs> I can just talk about how hot Oscar Isaac is. I mean, that's fair too. Okay, I can get into that. Or wait a minute. <laughs> Mandalorian, a oh, little. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all I my mean, contributions are to the fandom. <laughs> that's entirely fair. That's fair. My full host of Star Wars knowledge is based off of Nicole Byer and Lauren Lapkus' <laughs> podcast newcomers. So <laughs> that's okay too. That's okay too. My final pick for August is. One you may have seen if you've been on TikTok any time in the last few months, but it is Light Lark by Alex Astor. This book is out August 23rd, and this is giving me very much Hunger Games vibes, and the cover's cool because I can't help myself. So every hundred years, the island of Light Lark appears to host the Centennial, a deadly game that only the rulers of six realms are invited to play. The invitation is a summons, a call to embrace victory and ruin, baubles and blood. The Centennial offers the six rulers one final chance to break the curses that have plagued their realms for centuries. Each ruler has something to hide. Each realm's curse is uniquely wicked. To destroy the curses, one ruler must die. Isla Crown is the young ruler of Wildlane, a realm of temptresses cursed to kill anyone they fall in love with. They are feared and despised and are counting on Isla to end their suffering by succeeding at the centennial. To survive, Isla must lie, cheat, and betray, even as love complicates everything else. Give me a break. This has so many cool things. That's all. So that is Light Lark by Alex Astor. This is out August 23rd. I mean, between this and Dauntless, I love that these types of books are sort of making a comeback. Me too. (laughs) I was going to say those are the vibes. I I love those. And I did see that. I think it's this week. The the option for this book was picked up by studio. Um. Yeah, I couldn't agree and, more. I love that these these style of books are making a comeback. I don't know if it's on the tales of the Hunger Games prequels or if it is just like, hey, I mean, we missed this because it's good. <laughs> yeah, because like how old are the Hunger Games? Like 15 years? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're maybe. pretty up. They're pretty back there. So it's just maybe cycling back through. Right. I don't know. But I'm here for it. Me too. And I love and I'm I'm double checking this, but I'm pretty sure that um, this book was acquired as part of a deal after the oh. author had like put in a lot of effort to get this book picked up. I think, and I might be misremembering because I've seen some TikToks about it, but like it wasn't initially picked up by some publishers. And now it's, I mean, I've seen it all over book talk. It's been talked about for yeah. at least on my For You page the last several months with I think like millions and millions of views that the author just really wanted to get this book out there. And I'm excited that it is. So we love the power of the internet. We do. We really do. We do. So cool. Bring me more great books, internet, please. Yep. Please. <laughs> and thank you. 
So that just goes to show like with tenacity, if you have a good story and you want it out there, keep it up. Get on TikTok. <laughs> Get on TikTok. Because I mean, how how wild then if the book that you were originally told no with is picked up as part of a two book deal, has millions of views on TikTok, and then you get the rights picked yeah. up to work with a giant studio like Universal or something. So yeah. That's so cool. We love to see it. We love to see it. Uh, my last book, I'm going to round out with a YA title out August 23rd. This is Four for the Road by K.J. Riley. This is very Perks of Being a Wallflower, End of the Fucking World. Like those are the those are the two books that immediately come to mind. It is a dark young adult comedy. It's about a friend group. They are a very unlikely friend group and they are dealing with the messy side of grief. So this is kind of all around Asher hunting. Asher wants revenge. Specifically, he wants revenge on the drunk driver who killed his mom and got off on a technicality. Uh, no one seems to think that his obsession with revenge is healthy, of course, but uh, he gets sent to a bereavement group uh, or several bereavement groups because, you know, he doesn't seem to stay in one place for too long because, you know, grief is yeah. hard. So it's there that he makes some unexpected friend. There's Sloane, who lost her dad to cancer, Will, who lost his little brother to a different kind of cancer, and then 80-year-old Henry, who was married to his wife for 50 years until she decided to die on her own terms. And it's these three who Asher invites on a road trip from New Jersey to Graceland, uh, except Asher doesn't tell them what he's planning. They, he doesn't tell them that he's planning to steal his dad's car or the real reason that he wants to go to Tennessee. Spoiler alert. It's revenge. Uh, but then again, the others don't share their reasons for wanting to go either. So exactly. <laughs> it's complete with unexpected revelations, lots of chicken Caesar salads at roadside restaurants, a stolen motorcycle, and an epic kiss at a rest stop mini mart. What begins as a road trip to revenge might just turn into a path toward forgiveness. So that is Four for the Road by KJ Riley, out August 23rd that sounds delightful right just a fun fun ya romp yeah Yeah. Yeah. gotta gotta wrap up the summer with a road trip story sure um my last pick is not like that at all okay (laughs) (laughs) so this is babysitter by joyce carol oates uh this is set in detroit in the 1970s and unsolved child killings and the lives of several residents are drawn together with tragic consequences. There is Hannah, wife of a prominent local businessman who has begun, begun an affair with a darkly charismatic stranger whose identity remains elusive. Mikey, a street hustler who finds himself on a chilling mission to rectify injustice and the serial killer known as Babysitter, an enigmatic and terrifying figure at the periphery of elite Detroit. As Babysitter continues his rampage of abductions and killings, these individuals intersect with another one another in startling and unexpected ways. Okay, I have feelings about Joyce Carol Oates as a writer. I'm... I just, I've tried like several of her books across because she's been writing for like 50 years or something. I have tried several of her books across several different decades. I'm like, maybe I'm just not into like 90s Joyce Carol Oates, but I would be into like, no, I, and I just, they're not bad. I can tell they're very well written. They're just not really for me. And just, I, I don't know why I just, Mm -hmm. I'm not connected. I just don't connect with them in any way. But this, 
I'm like, yeah. you know what? I may be willing to give Joyce Carol Carol Goats another another chance with this one because this 100% sounds like something I would be into. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Will Jill read Joyce like actually finish a Joyce Carol Oates book? I mean, I will have made it like, and her books are big too. That's my mm-hmm. other thing. Again, they're very well written. I just have a hard time connecting with her characters. And I've again tried like multiple, multiple books. Um, I think the farthest I've made is like halfway through one of her books. And then I'm just like, I don't care about these people. <laughs> and I stopped. Uh, I think that means we have to have follow up. I, sure, I'll let you know what when, happens. When this comes yeah. up, we so we babysitter comes out August 23rd. So okay. I will I'll let you know if I'm so end up finishing it. Maybe in September. Maybe in September. We get you to uh put something on social. <laughs> About whether or not I finished actually it. finished a Joyce Carol Oates book. I feel really, I just, I know. not, you know, again, like you can, I think that's one of those things that comes up too, because we've talked about books you don't like. And it's not that I, I just, a, you can like recognize a book is good and is not for you. And mm-hmm. a book not being for you doesn't mean the book is bad. Yeah, I don't think your books are bad. They're just not for me. Absolutely. But again, this like this plot line, and that's the thing. Like I've tried reading books of hers where I'm like, this sounds like something I'd be into. But this actually does sound like something I would be into. It reminds me of that one short story she wrote that everybody reads in all their English classes, whose name is failing me right now. Mm-hmm. You guys are probably yelling at me listening to this. You're like <laughs> shouting it. Um, but it reminds me kind of of that. And so we'll see. I love it. So those are our August book picks. Those are friends. our August book picks. I would like to make one statement of clarification to my earlier comments about Alex Astor and Light Lark. So she put a trailer out mm. of the book before she had a publishing deal. Oh, TikTok okay. of the book trailer is what then sparked the book at auction and a six-figure. There you go. Deal. That's so cool. So. Be your own hype person. Absolutely. That no, that is super cool and an important lesson. How you, you got to cool. sell yourself. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. cool. Well, thank you all for listening to our August book picks. Hopefully you found something that you are also as excited as we are to check out. Uh, Let us know what you're reading this August. Send an email to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com or connect with us on social. If you love Joyce Carol Oates books, uh, let us know. Uh, I know they're maybe not for Jill, but maybe they are for you. Uh, let, Let us know your thoughts or if you also couldn't get through them. Thank you all so much for listening today. Make sure you check us out on social. And of course, we'll talk to you soon. Happy Happy reading. reading. Happy reading. reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.